This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pierce. Hiya, Jay. Hello, Ian. How are you? Battling on. Yeah, you're got full of cold, the, aren't you? Yeah, got the lurgy. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. I'm a fighter. Within reason. Also, also <laughs> with us, we do have Joe Rimmer. Hi, Joe. Hi, Ian. Are you okay? I'm fine. That's lovely. And also Theo Squires. Hello, Theo. Hi, Ian. How are you? Good, thanks you. Uh, thank you for asking. Yes, I'm <laughs> fine. Nobody else was going to ask. Nobody else cares. Oh, there is that as well. Uh, James, uh, me and you were at Anfield on Saturday. We saw Liverpool prevail in a seven-goal thriller that I think we can safely say absolutely nobody would have predicted, not only beforehand, <laughs> but also at half-time. Yeah, it was just a, a crazy, chaotic second half, wasn't it? I think first half... I think you've got to give Palace a huge amount of credit for the, you know, they, they did a job on Liverpool really. Um, defensively, really secure. Uh, well, you know, the game plan was clear to just let Liverpool have the ball and, and challenge them to break them down and then use the pace of Townsend and Zahar on the counter. And Liverpool huffed and puffed, but never really looked like scoring. And then, you know, Palace break away, get their goal. Um, and then obviously, when, once you get those, the quick fire double early in the second half, you know, that kind of calms the nerves and you think, Normal service has been resumed here, and um, but back Palace came, and it you know it was very reminiscent of the, of the first couple of years under Klopp, really, where you know, where Liverpool were great going forward, potent and dangerous, but you know uh, you know really vulnerable at times defensively. I mean, it's been been a long time since we saw that from from Klopp's team, but you know the in the end, the only thing that matters is that they found a way to win, and you know, and even though it's not exactly good for the old ticker, I think. Um, <laughs> 15 more like that, and no one will be arguing. I was going to say that a 104-year-old got invited uh, by Jurgen Klopp to come watch the game. <laughs> and then Liverpool Spain, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was very good. I think it was yeah. worth another mention there. Um, um, Joe, is this just one of those games that every successful team has to get through? It's like this one of these, it's January, it's cold, they've just come off the back of a of a big December, you know, a couple of tough games in January already. Uh, they have just lost a few as well, Liverpool. And it reminded me a little bit of when they played Swansea a couple of years ago. Yeah, they mm-hmm. were two 0 down against a team who, have, you know, okay, Crystal Palace is struggling, but not as much as Swansea were that day. Uh, Liverpool got it back to two all. Everyone expected them to win, and then Swansea came back, and Liverpool couldn't find a way back. But this time they did. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a. I wouldn't say Palace are a quality team, but they're a tricky teams to play, aren't they? And, and I think you might have said this, Doddy, but they 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 suit playing the better teams because mm. they they can sit in and counter with, with a lot of pace and. Yeah, I think it was a tricky game for Liverpool. They're, Liverpool are tired. They've, they've had injuries, changes in personnel, and you've got to get through them. And, and I think what's impressive is that they did get through it. They did win it. That they they've carried on winning games, and and they've not let that City defeat seemingly not not let them get to them. So um, I think that's really important. And you know, I think there was a bit of luck within the goals, but good teams are lucky teams. And how many times did we watch the likes of United, Chelsea, Arsenal, City at times? get lucky goals because they put that much pressure on that they get breaks so um, I'm not too concerned I actually think it's it's a really good thing that Liverpool are coming through games like this with wins and as James said 15 more of them and we'll all be sitting there very happy they need 14 but they only need 14 they need 14 yeah. then yeah Jürgen Klopp was particularly well chuffed wasn't he at the final whistle <laughs> yeah I love that <laughs> that's become like his trademark hasn't he he started doing it at the away games didn't he James he didn't really do it that often at home he'd go up to the away end and give him the old fist pump Joe but now he's it's like every occasion. 
but you can tell with him that like how much they all mean now and how important each resource is and doing that showed that he knew how tough that was and there was every chance of Hull could have dropped points there but they didn't and um it showed didn't it, at the end and that's what we all love about Klopp I suppose Now Theo uh, Manchester City conceded three goals home to Crystal Palace and they lost and that ended up being a piv- it could well be a pivotal afternoon in the, in the title race I mean Liverpool don't normally concede two goals at home in a game or one goal at home in a game let alone three so at the end of the game I know from speaking to some people who sit near to the near the dugout that Virgil van Dijk was absolutely fuming as he was coming off the pitch so is conceding three goals going to be an, a negative for Liverpool or is that, or should they just look at the positives? I think you need to look at the positives and it's great that Virgil van Dijk was fuming because in recent years we've been oh, just glad that Liverpool have got the win. Um, we've seen the defensive weaknesses that have had in recent years that have undermined title challenges and that, what make, that is what makes this team so different to those. Um, as you said, City conceded three. That was a game no one saw coming. Saturday was a game no one saw coming and it's those small differences that make a difference in the title challenge. Um, Thankfully, Liverpool came through it and it still feels rather foreign because we're not used to Liverpool being in this position. It's the other teams who've been in this position. And so while it might be a bit different in the Premier League, maybe it does mean that Liverpool are the real deal and they are going to be the ones that last the distance. James has often said that teams are only as strong as the weakest link. And we saw evidence of that on Saturday. He looked at Liverpool and they were obviously running out of right backs. Had James Milner there and he, while going forward, had a good game. And I think he did okay against Zaha. By the end, he was just, you know, it was, I felt a bit sorry for him come the end. Yeah. But, but then Palace were without the main two goalkeepers. They had a 79-year-old Julian Speroni in goal. And ultimately, as Roy Hodgson said after the game, it was his mistake for Liverpool's third goal that effectively settled the game. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, it was a bit of a mismatch at times, wasn't it? Milner mm. against Zaha, I, I did feel for Milner because there's not an awful lot you can do, is there, when you're facing someone who's that much younger, that much quicker and that much more skillful this, than you. This basically just you at five aside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, it, you know, he did, I think he did as well as you, you could possibly expect, you know, unless he was, was going to have some kind of jetpack to, to try and keep up with Zaha. I quite enjoyed um, his second yellow card, which was just, I can't be bothered running after you anymore. I'm just going <laughs> to get, down, it when, get well, down, I'm going off, see I you. love it when someone gets sent off and just walks <laughs> yeah. off, because they know yeah. that's always, it's always a good sign. Yeah, his old, what was it, his old school teacher too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's good um, what, what, were you, what, what, was the, what was the other part of your question? Spironi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah well, that in the end is the pivotal moment, isn't it? it I still don't really know what on earth he was he was thinking. <laughs> I don't even know how he's at the balls ended up there from where. I mean, you've got to give Milner credit for you know doing what he always does and and putting it back into a dangerous area. But it should never have sparked that kind of panic from Speroni that it did. And you know what was it only a, probably a couple of inches away from being a Speroni own goal. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know you had, obviously fantastic for Liverpool, but um, you know absolute nightmare for him because. In, in the end, that, that cost Palace. I, did, I thought some of Hodgson's comments afterwards were a bit bizarre because he seemed, he, seemed to be, he seemed to be insinuating that deflected goals don't really count, which... He, he Frank Lampard's like, entire career would yeah, have been wiped yeah, off so, um, And I, I did quite enjoy, actually, he did his, his separate little breakout for the Monday newspapers in the mix zone area where the players do that. Oh, you listen to it. The, you um, listen so to it, yeah. On yeah. That and, he was asked what I thought was a perfectly acceptable question. <laughs> I think of, I know what's coming in. You played yeah, Man yeah. City a couple of weeks ago. Now you've played Liverpool. How do you think the two title contenders compare? And uh, he was not very happy about that. He refused to... Ref- he said, I'm not prepared to even discuss that. 
Well, it's, it's like it's an open goal for him. It's like what former Liverpool manager would say, oh, I don't want them to win the league. Oh, no. What but current Liverpool manager would agree with Sir Alex Ferguson and all that nonsense that yeah. he used to do? So He said, his reasoning, and then someone tried to ask him in a slightly different way, and he said, uh, listen, the Man City game is too long ago for me to even remember to talk about that, and I've already said everything I need to say about this game. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> he was not a happy chappy. Fair play to James Miller there, by the way, for actually, you know, you talk about, all right, he had problems going the other way, but it was his, he lost Zaha, you know, Zaha got the better of him a couple of times, but then he got the better of Zaha. Well, because the, losing Jürgen Klopp said that afterwards, he said that basically they know that Zaha doesn't really like to trap yeah. back that much, so they, they made the, the decision to, obviously told Miller, just get up as often as you possibly yeah. can. That's why I think it was one of those games where, they, you know, they did lose a little bit, a little bit of control in that respect, but I'm not sure whether it would have been different. I think it would have been different. Sorry, had Trent or a normal right back yeah, played. Yeah. I mean, Theo, there have been quite a few four threes in in, in recent times, and our Andrew Beasley in, in his column, he's likened it to the four three against Newcastle, but only in the respect that Liverpool were actually behind at half time in that one. And was this an example of Liverpool's fighting qualities to come from behind? Because I think James, we were talking about it, weren't we? The the last time Liverpool were behind at home at half time was Leicester, was Leicester which yeah, was yeah, uh, December twenty seventeen, and they went on to win that one two one. Yes, uh, crazy that we're used to Liverpool um, coming back and winning games. And usually when you think of all these title challenges, how often uh, United came back and won games. Um, I think it's just a quality that the top sides have, but it shows that Liverpool's dominance, especially at home in, under Klopp in the last year, that they haven't needed to leave it late on. I know we were watching the, the Tottenham game yesterday yeah. and you called that Harry Winks goal, yeah. I think like a minute before it happened. <laughs> That's just the quality these sides have. But yeah, but Doyle, what he does is he constantly calls goals that don't happen. I would like to point out though, I would like to point out he didn't actually. Can I just say, anybody who's followed me on Twitter during the game on Saturday, I called nearly everything correctly. But (laughs) Doyle, every every United game you've ever watched, you sit there and go, they're going to score now, they're going to score now, they're going to score now. And this season's the only season you've been wrong. Joe, why do I do it in your voice though? <laughs> we all know the, yeah, the Doyle yeah, impression that everyone's yes, very good. The, the generic Doyle impression yeah. there. Um, all right, let's talk about then Theo Mohamed Salah. You've done a piece, I'm not sure whether it's gone up yet, but that while he's reached 50 Premier League goals, I think it was Shearer, Cole, and Vanis Roy who did it quick in terms of amount of games, in amount of minutes, it's a slightly different story. Yeah, he's done it, I think, um, 90 minutes quicker than Fernando Torres in second and a whole 210 minutes quicker than Aguero in third. And then you've got those three players. Um, when you think he's only missed, what, two Premier League games, I think, in his entire Liverpool career, that's insane. Um, this is not just a one-season wonder. He's already silenced anything like that. But he's got numbers that are proving that he's arguably the Premier League's finest ever finisher. If he's going to stick around and do this over another two, three years, that is the company he's going to keep. Um, we've already seen him beat the record in a 38-game season. He's got, what, 16 goals in the league now this season? It's only two less than he managed last year. While he might not go on, say, get another 32, with Harry Kane out injured and Aubameyang, what, two goals behind, he should get the golden boot again. He could hit 30 goals in the league again, and that could be enough in the Premier League title race. I mean, James, Jurgen Klopp said afterwards when he was praising Mohamed Salah, he said that you know, he would have scored more if he hadn't stuck him on the right wing all last season. But <laughs> just interesting this, the way that he's become this central striker, isn't it? And that Liverpool's, you know, Liverpool found a way earlier in the season to get him back scoring, and it seems to have been the way that's then kept them top of the league. Yeah, I think it was an interesting tactical tweak from Klopp, wasn't it? I think it was partly wanting to try and get Shakiri in the team as well. And then, um, and also I think Firmino not being 
at the level earlier on in the season that he was in, he was out in the second half of last season. Um, so we just thought, you know, it just makes Salah, you get him into more dangerous areas more often if you play him centrally. Um, but yeah, no, he's, when, when you think, what was it, probably rewind three months and we were talking about, you know, you know, is this a crisis of confidence he's going through or whatever? And the response since then has been, you know, absolutely unbelievable. Um, you know, the, I think his first goal on Saturday probably hasn't got the, the probably the credit it deserves in terms of just he just made that look ridiculously easy. You know, I think you know the ball dropping out the sky like that to you know to hook it into the bottom corner like he did. He's almost not looking as well because he looks over the <laughs> yeah. line. And I think does that, doesn't and he? the keeper thinks that's going wow. He's gone in. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was. You know, it was. You know, not many players can can do that. Obviously, the second one is an absolute. Gift. Um, do you reckon you'd have took that one away? <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, I wouldn't have got there before you got there. To be fair, they're like the ones you score every time the Echo play. <laughs> six yards box. The, um, I would. Say, I did. I do think he blotted his copybook slightly on the weekend with the. Well, we we're going to come to that. We'll do, yeah. deal with that now. Then, yeah. yeah. Just. I think, well, I think. I think he's had a lot of unfair stick in recent weeks, um, and you know why? Why give? You know that what what he did, I think, was manner from heaven for those who have been desperate to give him a good kicking because people that don't want Liverpool to win the league, people that hang on, whoa, whoa. Are you saying there are some people out there who don't <laughs> want Liverpool to win the league? I haven't really heard about these people, and they haven't made themselves known. I mean, it was you know he's he's had some really unfair criticism when when he when he has been blatantly fouled, and people have st- still tried to accuse him of of diving. I think. I think the problem with Sadie was I think he probably felt a bit of contact from from uh, Sacco, wasn't it? And then, but the way he went down, you know, it, it's a bit silly, wasn't it? At the, ta- yeah, the yeah, time you, you watch it, and you're like, that's clearly not a penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could understand why Palace were were that angry. And I think, yeah, I think you you got to take the blinkers off sometimes and say, well, well on that occasion, he, he hasn't helped himself, and things like that. You know, you, he's got to be careful because otherwise, that will count against him when when there are other incidents come up because um you know he's had a lot of decisions go his way recently but you'd have to say you know John Moss didn't make himself too many friends at Anfield on Saturday but he got that got, got that one right as a failed striker would you have added a little bit of your trade yeah. would you have added well, one of your, score? Well, with three <laughs> <laughs> would you have added one of your trademark screams while you were going down there yeah, if I'd felt a little bit of contact. <laughs> <laughs> how many how many opposition players have you had in your face giving you grief for going down that easily? Yeah, <laughs> quite a few. I remember quite a few. Yeah. Years. Have you gained a reputation? But <laughs> actually, the, I actually the best one I ever had playing for the Echo was when I hacked down John Dernan in the penalty box and got away with it. And we had about a ninety-six-year-old ref. It was that far behind play. It was John Dernan had a shot and it bounced back off the crossbar. And he was just there out two yards out to knock it in. And I thought, I've got no choice here but to just go straight through the back of him. Nowhere near the ball. Just clattered him. Ball bounced down. Someone hacked it away. And, yeah, the ref was 60 yards upfield and said, great tackle play on. Did you not uh, take out Jan Wolby in one of the games? Was that you? I think it was you, wasn't it? I can't remember. I might have done. Sure, yeah. you'd remember taking out Jan Mulby. Well, I think he's had the bruises. <laughs> yeah, I think you're one of the only people who could have taken him down to be fair, James. <laughs> <laughs> Some collision. <laughs> um, what's your favourite four three then? <laughs> what's your favourite four four three? Because um, it just you can't compare Sally to the Newcastle. Yeah, I don't no, know. I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't a much better team than Palace. I'm just saying in terms of the way that the game's got. If you look at because. 
Jurgen Klopp earlier in his Liverpool career went on 4 3, but he had like five fours. And mm. okay, the 4 3, Dortmund 4 3, there was that Dortmund one. 4, yeah. But there hasn't really been the Manchester much one of last that. year. Was, no, City, I know it's, I know it's, a, I know it's fresh in the memory and probably an easy answer, but it was an absolutely amazing game of football, wasn't yeah. it? I think we all mm. walked away from that one, and there won't be many better games of football than that. Is it better then to win a game in that manner than a routine? To a th- uh, what Christian Walsh would score, call a routine 3 0 away win. Um, <laughs> routine 3 0 away win. <laughs> well, Christian Walsh would call a 3 0 away win routine. Um, yes and no. I think it's it's good every now and again, but you don't really want to be doing it every every week, do you? Because it, it, it sort of does show weakness. Was it a good time to get a result like that, though? Um, when you've got the 10, 11 day gap to get players back from injury um, to go to this warm weather training camp, definitely because now is the perfect time to regroup after that, what, six week, two month spell of games, two times a week, busy period when you lost players to suspension and missing that injury list growing and growing. Um, how many right backs have we seen in this period as well? Uh, it was just about a case of getting through that period and getting the three points. Uh, Liverpool did the exact same thing, though not to that uh, much of a dramatic extent earlier on in the season when they weren't playing at the best. But it was a case of we've got this run of, what, 10 fixtures against so many tough teams. Just get through that, get your fresh air, regroup and go again. Um, now, this is another stage of the season where they can do that. And I'm sure the next game, it's not going to be another 4-3 against Leicester. Sorry <laughs> to hijack the podcast. Are we finished talking about Salah diving? I just didn't we can go back to that if you want. No, I just, I just, it is interesting because I, I do think, I, I agree with James. I think he, he did dive on Saturday. But I think diving, it, does Salah dive? Yeah, like 99% of the pro players in the Premier League dive. Harry Kane dives almost every week. So Can't just, say that. But, but <laughs> they, they, everyone, everyone does something. You know, and it's, it's mad, isn't it? Because you, you know, Liverpool are there to be shot at the moment. So right now, Everyone's like, oh, Salah dives, it, whilst ignoring the fact that all of their players dive. It, it just, it's just a common thing now. When players feel contact, they go down. And it was mad that after the Brighton game, you know, I was listening to another podcast and, and they, they said, yeah, it was a routine one. They'll win. They won with a dive, and I was like, dive. You know, yeah. Chris Hughes, Brian Boss ragged. came out and said it was, yeah, uh, it was definitely a penalty. A penalty. They, they, like the guy pulled him back, kicked him, and then threw him to the ground. How much you want? <laughs> and, and even Newcastle, all right, yeah, did he go down easy? Was it a dive? It, it probably was. You know, if someone did that, can it be a side, dive when you have been fouled? Yeah, and I you're think, just making the well, referee. No, I suppose not. If you, not if you've been fouled, but it's what you deem as a foul, and what you know, that's the amount of times that. For example, a forward will see a goalkeeper come in and run into the goalkeeper and knock the ball the other way and goes down. You know that, that's gamesmanship. It's 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 still that's clever. Cheating. That's part it's, of the game. It, but, it, but it so is it so all of these dives are part of the game, aren't they? And well, you're getting yourself. I, I, I it's not like know, I don't even know if that was a hundred percent a dive. You know, in terms of, I think he's just what we talking about. He gets contact. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the one on Saturday, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. he felt a little bit of contact, and then thought, oh, he's touched me there, yeah. and then made a ridiculous. But, but move what people do is they move the goalpost, don't they? And they say they'll say that's a dive. Yeah. And then if you, you you level, say, a Kane or Harry Kane's dive there, they'll say, oh, but he had a bit of contact, so it's not a dive. It doesn't, not every bit of contact knocks you over. No, and I always remember Eduardo when, when Arsenal got away with that dive he did in the Champions League because they, they sort of went back on, they, they did they sort of sue UEFA or something like that at the time? Or they made a claim against UEFA saying that they proved that he had contact. And it was like the minimal amount of contact. But Who then, cares to that extent, really? But, 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 but it, what, what I'm saying is that... Harry Kane would. Not not every bit of contact means that it's a foul, which means it's a penalty. But 
you know, it's, it's it all depends still a on the context. Well, we saw last year, didn't we, when uh, Tottenham came to Anfield, uh, the debate you can have over what's a penalty and what's not with Harry Kane, and was it? It's uh, all a penalty. It's all a penalty. Yeah, but then it's not a new thing. Like remember Michael Owen going down far too yeah. easily against Argentina yeah. over yeah. the years. Um, well, I remember, well, in the nineteen seventies, before I was born, I'd like to point this out. Francis Lee played for Man City. I think he had the nickname One Pen Lee because he would just basically just dive all the yeah. time, and the, and everybody knew it. But the referees would just keep on giving a penalty because they thought that, not as if referees go. I'm not giving that because this player dives a lot. If they think it's a penalty, they think it's a penalty. Don't, but it's frustrating because I think things like, you, I watch Match of the Day and it's almost like they knew in the back of their minds they had to show that, they had to comment on it. And, and it was like, they, it was almost so forced, wasn't it? And, and then Gary Lineker quickly moved on because it mm. was like, now nobody can say we didn't mention it. We, we've sort of shown how, how disappointed we are. Uh, they didn't show Zahar's um, one at the end, did they? It's funny, isn't it? it, it it's just picking and choosing. And right now, Salah's there to be shot at, so he's going to get it every week now if he if he goes well, down. The thing is, it was Zahar about this time last year, wasn't it? Because yeah, he was winning yeah. a load of penalties, and, yeah. and a lot of them were very much of the same ilk where you could go, yeah, well, yeah, I can see why he's given it, but you wouldn't like it if it was... Con- That's the thing. Yeah. I can see why it's given, but I wouldn't like if it was conceded yeah. given against my team, yeah. basically. Yeah. And that's what I think is... The thing with Salah is that they're not all like chopped in half, and most penalties aren't, are they? And mm. I will point out, uh, one of the Everton lads in the office said it's a dive, but it's also a penalty. So it's very hard to call in all these different <laughs> incidents. But it, it, it is, isn't it? But like, I that's think exagger- that's, exaggerating. But, I think not a dive. Exaggerating the contact. But don't, don't you think we've accepted? We've accepted in in like a dive now as we've accepted some of them as penalties and the game's moved on so we sort of say yeah you know that that was a penalty but he did go down easy and then a dive is when you don't get any contact at all don't forget this is Mohamed Salah who against Bournemouth was running through and he got taken out from behind by was it was it Cook was it Cook. And th- yeah, yeah and then yeah. he just carried on going and scored do you think that's the moment he, he thought you know what um, if, if I get that again, I'm hitting the deck because that that's ridiculous. Because yeah, he could have really hurt him as well, couldn't he? Mm-hmm. And don't forget, Liverpool went what was it, four hundred odd days without getting a penalty yeah, at home. Yeah. So this could just be the law of averages. And and also they didn't get the penalty against Crystal Palace. It wasn't given. Yeah, yeah. So and also Salah didn't get booked. So what does that mean? No, what did the referee make of it? Yeah. Well, because they know, don't they? If you do stay on your feet, you won't get you don't get the yeah. decision. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got to go down to 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 convince the ref. That there was enough contact. You never, you never. Very rarely do you see someone have a chop at someone and then stay on their feet, yeah. and then the ref ends up takes it back and goes, "Actually, we'll give the penalty because there's no advantage." Well, a couple of, here's one for that. I always remember Stephen Gerrard the way at Sheffield United mm. getting caught, and he's tried to stay on his feet and have a shot, and then eventually they get he gave the penalty, and Warnock still moans about it now. But it was, was an example of someone, yeah, yeah, someone trying to stay on their feet, and he got his reward, and it was like, "Oh, that's not a penalty because." Because he didn't go down, <laughs> he clearly tried, and and the Newcastle one, I thought everyone made a big deal saying he dived, and he, he did go down, but it, for me it was a foul. But he was never going to get it if he didn't go down there. He'd yeah, never yeah, got that yeah. foul. The guy, the, he ran past the guy who then, who then put his hand on him to pull him back. So Definitely. it's a penalty, even if he did fall over in a bit of a. Strange I just thought, uh, how different is this all going to be next year when VAR comes in? Like we be, we'll World just Cup. be arguing about something else. <laughs> we saw at the World Cup, um, was it the Neymar one, where that was given, but it was an obvious dive and they called it back and then took it away. I don't think he got booked for it, but if we're going to then have that every week, whether uh, Mohamed Salah's dived, whether he's going to get a it's retrospective booking. It's too much of a headache, isn't it, that? Yeah, let's just let's just get rid of VAR, I think is what we've learned from this particular got, conversation. All the other goal line technology, I, I don't even mind. VAR for offsides is even can be interpreted one way or another can't it so let's get rid of goal line technology because then uh, Liverpool got a draw against City <laughs> no I think yeah. I think I'd be one over by that. that that's like a black and white yes or yeah. no it's a yeah, very yeah, binary yeah. answer isn't it as they exactly. would say the blood red podcast from the Liverpool Echo
The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Theo James was talking a bit earlier about right backs and there was one incident very, very much towards the end of the game where Jurgen Klopp had his hands in the air, you know, punching the air in delight because Rafa Camacho had made a tackle on Zaha. Yeah, obviously a massive, massive moment, wasn't it? Because you know, you, just you know, a minute earlier, Liverpool four two up, and you, and you think you know, that's finally killed off. That's the final twist, and then you know, straight down the other end, Max Meyer pulls one back, and then suddenly, you know, you could you could sense the anxiety levels. And as soon as Palace then got the ball back, it was like, oh my god, you know, is this is this going to be you know a big big moment in the title race? And yeah, fair play to Rafa Camacho because. Um, you know, and, and you know, probably again, so much went on on Saturday. You know, I don't, I don't think too many people would have gone away talking about his Premier League debut, but another, another big step forward for him on the back of playing in the FA Cup tie. Um, and he had one, he only had one thing to do, but um, he did it very, very well. Um, you know, if he doesn't make that tackle, then then you'd have you'd have fancied Zahar to to potentially rescue Palace a point, which would have been, you know, the, the mood would have been very, very different. I mean, Firmino ended up at right back for about three minutes towards the end of the game after Milner was sent off, Joe. But now Liverpool have got, I think it's another nine days until the next game against Leicester at home. Yeah. And we know Milner's not playing. And we know Gomez isn't going to be playing. Um, the running, Klein's on loan. Trent's got a chance. Trent has an yeah. outside chance, yeah. but I'm not sure whether they'd want to risk him. Fabinho, obviously, has got a slight hamstring problem. He yeah. might be okay, but if he's not, then... Would you play Camacho? I know that you were pressing for him to start at the weekend. Yeah, you know, yeah, I would. Uh, I think. Look, what, what, what else? What's the other option? Go out and buy someone for one game. I think, I think, young guys like him have clearly made quite an impression in training. They've come into to other games, and he didn't disgrace himself at Wolves. So why not? You know, it's not like you're making wholesale changes. So yeah, I, I think. If you, when, when else is he going to get a chance? And I don't think you go out and buy someone. So yeah, I think if no one else is fit, then certainly. Um, I think if Fabinho's fit, I think you probably do play him there just for perhaps to play it a little bit safer. But yeah, I think if Fabinho's not fit, I wouldn't. I would he could even problems. go three at the back, can he? Because yeah. if Lo- Lovren would be fit for that game, not play Rafa Camacho in like a wing back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Henderson's played wing back, I think yeah. once or yeah, twice as well. So that's another option. Robertson obviously ideally suited to play. It was as interesting a wing that Moreno back. didn't come on. He had Moreno on the bench and he, he, Probably for the he named dropped him though, didn't he? He did. He said that he explained why he didn't... Well, he didn't explain why he didn't bring him on. He just said, look, I know he had him as an option, but... I wonder I which put, one would have been on the wrong foot. Yeah, that's true. Also, <laughs> I can't imagine he kept a cool head at any point in his entire career either. No. I thought you were going to say something, Jim. No, no. <laughs> you look like you were about to say no, something. No. So, Theo, are we saying that Liverpool not going to sign anybody to cover him right back? I'm probably with only, what, 10 days left, not going to sign anybody full stop now because they've only got one game left before the transfer window closes. It would have to take something crazy to happen on the training ground. For them. Yeah, yeah, or um, a load of players to do something stupid in Dubai and not be allowed to fly back or something like that. <laughs> don't, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've got through the tough period. Uh, they, don't, they don't need a right back. I think we've just listed there. Yes, the players are out, but how many options have they got there? And it's not just in that position. It's all over the pitch. Jurgen Klopp has strengthened the squad last summer, so they've got that depth there. And it's just a crazy set of circumstances. Uh, it is down to the bare bones at the moment. Um, but that is after such a run of games over a festive period that always happens to every club every season. Now they've got this uh, run to get players back and like we're saying, should see a couple of them back for Leicester. 
And whilst uh, I think we were saying what Manchester City have got four games in the next week or so, whereas Liverpool have just got that one game. Um, and then City, Spurs, Chelsea, they've got two cup competitions as well as European exploits. So they're going to feel the strain, whereas Liverpool can pick and choose later on in the season when to play the players. Then They're going to be fine. James, Liverpool, where are they at the moment? Where are they? Yes. They're in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want something a bit more exact than that? Well, no, just general. I was kind of, or... I was just... <laughs> Where are just, they right this I was just inviting <laughs> you to tell me a little bit more about this particular sojourn off to the Middle East. Um, yeah, I think it's... They're going to do two camps over the next kind of month, five, six weeks or whatever it is. Um, this one's more of a rest and recovery kind of bonding trip. To Dubai and it's then just in the roll on the ale. The, no, no, I don't know. To be honest, I don't, I don't think you can't go on go to Dubai on the ale. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the hotel again. Um, and then you know, I think they'll have another camp closer to home in February before the Bayern Munich game, which will be more of a more of a kind of a training camp in the true sense of the word. I think you know, Klopp said on the weekend that there's a lot of players in need of a rest, and you, you look at all the injury issues, and you know, obviously Trent and Genie Wijnaldum were both missing um, on the on the weekend. You know priceless time for them to get fit same with Lovren and Gomez both of them so well certainly Lovren should be available for the next game Gomez won't be far off um so uh yeah it, it feels like this break has come at a, a really really good time because you know that was a massive struggle to get over the line against Palace and um you know I, I think it would have been very hard if Liverpool had had a, a midweek game this week um so yeah you know obviously I, I, I wish Liverpool was still in the FA Cup but they're not, and um, I think you know th- this time will be invaluable to Klopp because it just it just allows the dust to settle and players to get over some some issues and get some key players back. I mean, Joe, you must be delighted that Liverpool are in Dubai because it obviously means that they are out of the FA Cup. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> delighted. I think. Look, I, I think if they're going to win the title, they need these sorts of breaks and especially now, you know, the, the amount of injuries they've got. And if they were still in the FA Cup and playing this weekend, whoever they'd be playing against, I'm pretty sure they'd be making wholesale changes again. So, um, I mean, yeah, they, they're down to the bare bones. It'll, it'll do them some good, especially if it's just rest and recovery. They certainly need it, don't they? James Bubach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these questions are good for James, aren't they? <laughs> I, know he's, I know he's going in a minute, you see. So, I know he's going in a minute. So, yeah. So, I know he's, he's got to just Brain. crack on. <laughs> <laughs> Left. <laughs> Official. Yeah, I think it, you know, not exactly a great surprise, was it? That um, the only surprise is it's taken this long for for all the paperwork to be done, and he is now no longer a, a Liverpool employee. Um, you know, obviously, you go back to what was it last April time yep. when, <clears throat> when when he he first left, and um, you know, Klopp has. You know, I don't think there's any huge kind of mystery. Klopp has just, you know, out of respect to Bovac, has, has said he's not prepared to discuss it on the numerous occasions when he has has been asked. Um, you know, my information at the time was that he'd just become over a period of time kind of more distant and 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 less. We're talking about Joe or Bovac? No, just what you said. Just a bit of context there. Joe's just been like drifting off looking at his phone. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wasn't. I just, I just remembered something. I wanted to, to email it to myself so I didn't forget. And he'd been, you know, less, less involved in terms of team meetings and the usual debrief that staff have at halftime during matches. And obviously it reached that point last April where... 
you know, he decided to, well, in discussions with Klopp, it was time to go their separate ways after, what was it, 16, 17 years of working together. Um, How long have you two been working together now? Not what's that stage yet. 14, is it? 14? No, before 14 Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I'd be, I'd be in trouble if you were my brain. <laughs> um, Why is that? <laughs> so, yeah, I think... Who's your eyes? He, um, it's definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, where were we going with that? <laughs> Tell me about, before you go, because I know yep. you've, got a, you've got a duck out in a second. Pep Linders, that's the one positive for, in that sense, is that it's now been official. He's now the assistant manager, yeah. even though he has been along with the... Yeah, I think cause, because... All, all the way through the season, you know, Peplins has, you know, hasn't really publicly discussed his return to Liverpool, and you know that was a, you know, that was a deliberate thing on 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 the club's behalf because they knew that if Peplins was talking about his role, you know, that then it inevitably leads to questions about Bovac. Are you now the new Bovac? How does it work? Uh, and they didn't want that until the Bovac, you know, the the the, uh, the kind of dispute over his contract and severance packages had been agreed, but. Yeah, there's no doubt Pep Linders has filled filled that void. Um, I think you only had to see how quickly Klopp moved. Uh, you know, after what Pep had a very short spell in the managing in Holland towards the back end of the last season, and um, you know, I think Klopp actually met him in in Kiev um, when they were over there for the, the Champions League final to to basically invite him back and to get him back on board. And yeah, he's a massively valued member of of. Klopp's backroom staff with with Krawitz and and Meyer as as well and obviously John Akterberg. So um, yeah, I think you know again go back three or four months and Bovac was a big talking point, wasn't he? And you know it was suddenly Liverpool can't attack anymore without without Bovac and you know all of that's gone very quiet and um, you know I think I think we what's happened this season has has kind of allayed any fears that you know obviously we know, we know what happened when Paco Esteran left party company with Benitez and you know there was a lot of talk that would that same thing happen was he the you know the the real mastermind behind behind Klopp but I think that idea has been well and truly blown out of the water with where Liverpool are sitting currently thank you James now you can go if you want to we will continue talking. Bye, James. Bye, James. Bye, James. Bye. Just, we'll, just, we'll just wave him out. He's doing something very important indeed. Uh, now, I did the ratings for Liverpool's game against Crystal Palace at the weekend, and I gave Jordan Henson man of the match. Mm. And most people agree with it, but there were some people who did not agree with it. Were there? Oh, I'm, I'm shocked. Uh, exactly, which, which I'm glad you mentioned that. So, you know, it's like he had a good game, had a very good game, I thought. But there are still those who are not. I never will be convinced. It's just one of these things we just have to say. It's never. The, he's never going to change minds. He's been there nearly eight years now. He's never going to change the minds of these people. It, it, you think so? Though, yeah. It's funny actually because I sent out um, a tweet the other week. Uh, Lucas Lucas won um, Lazio's Lazio's player of the year. Player of the year. Yeah. And um, the amount of goodwill, like the amount of retweets it got, the amount of comments, well in lad, and all this. You know, I think. They all hated him when he was in Liverpool. I, mean, I remember having like stand-up arguments with people trying to say he's a good player, and people, oh no, he's the, the worst Brazilian of all time, and all that nonsense you used to get. And I, I think like never saw Mazzinho play. Uh, anyway, go I on. think it's funny, isn't it? That I do wonder whether you know a couple of trophies, maybe a few more years down the line, Henderson moves on, and um, then we talk about him in a different light. But yeah, I think you're right. I don't think he'll ever convince some people, and and. Look, it, we've had this argument so many times in this podcast. I don't really want to go back through it. Um, but uh, I do think 
there are two massive camps and probably I've been guilty of being in the more positive one, but you you look at him from a more positive light. You probably look at him too positively at times. And then the That's negative... That's just human nature. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and, and the negative people that don't like him, you know, will, will not accept any performance. You know, you see, see them come out with the same stuff before every game, you know, I had someone tweet me saying, I just think we're far better without Henson. We're more fluid and we're better as a team. And I think it's a bit strange they say that, considering that he's been a big part of a, a very attacking Liverpool team under Jürgen Klopp. That I don't think you can say that Liverpool aren't as good as an attacking force when Henderson's out the team. It's, it's, and a very attacking team under Brendan Rodgers as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, it, look, we've been here so many times, but I think you're absolutely right. I don't think you'll ever convince some people, but I really hope that he lifts the Premier League title and just I hope that all those people have to put pictures on their wall of Jordan Henderson <laughs> hold, holding the Premier League title at the end of the season. It'll be the the best thing he ever does. We'd have a year of it being part of the uh, Sky Sports News. Like exactly. Opening thing, yeah. we? Every time they turn on the <laughs> telly, yeah, this is the real reason why we want, to, we, want, we want Liverpool to win the league. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just no, just for that. Just for Jordan Henderson's Henderson. image, right? Yes. No, it, but it, it will be just <laughs> I for a while. Like that. I think yeah. that's going to be really funny. Oh, yeah. Be great. Yeah. It'll be like to them. It'll be what to. Josome is on the Istanbul picture <laughs> on it. You just want to tear him out of it, but to them they'll Mate, be the, why? the same. Josome, why? Sorry, just why? Think, well, I just think they should be made to stand in order of importance. Do you know why they he's at the front the trophy. Though? I don't know. Just it's because um, Carragher was next to Gerard, but because he had cramps often during the game, he just got hit by a load of cramps. So yeah, he like right. fell down, hit the deck, and Josome's just there, opportunistic, yeah, yeah, taking the spot in. next to Gerard. I just, I just think, yeah, they, they should. The manager should sort them in order of importance <laughs> to the trophy and say, "You go and stand at the back, Josome." Yeah, but he's famous for that now. For, yeah, for, no, you know, he, he's place, in the, the, the Anfield annals. I mean, yeah. you're not going to say that to him if he comes in for a podcast. No, absolutely not. I'll no, tell him he's great. He should do. It'd be brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he'd yeah, have some good tales. Yeah, be brilliant. Yeah. I love uh, Jimmy. Are you in the pro Henderson camp or are you in the... No, what's con? That no. just sounds weird. Yeah, the no, like Anderson, the no, Anderson. Yeah, the no Henderson, or are you in the middle ground? I'm going to sit on the fence and I'll just see how he does. I'm in the pro Henderson camp. Um, I'd like to see if he can still do what he did under Brendan Rogers, but I think that ship's probably sailed under Jurgen Klopp. He's had enough years now in this slightly deeper role. He's got used to it, and Liverpool have got other midfielders that probably provide more goals, more assists. He used to score some great goals, though, he didn't did. he? You forget about them. Burnley won, City won. It's not just Chelsea. Chelsea. Long Chelsea. Well. So um, the runs from deep. Do you remember the one yeah. at Villa Park? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Just, as you say, he doesn't have to do that now because no. there's so many other players who yeah. do it yeah. instead. But um, you look at the rest of the midfielders at the moment. Uh, Naby Keita, he had another poor game. <laughs> Are you worried, Joe? <laughs> Do you know what I, 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 say, I wanted to say? What did I say about Keita? And I put this in my analysis: is that all his best games have come as a central midfielder it's, it's because good. he's a central midfielder, yeah. and that's what he's used to. And I, and I think it wasn't me that said this. I think it isn't that Henderson is playing that's keeping him out of the team. I think it's the fact that Wijnaldum's done so well this season that perhaps Klopp thought, "Oh, I'll replace." Cater yeah. with one Aldum. And one Aldum, I actually think, was a massive miss at yeah, the weekend yeah, because yeah, he's one of those players that you don't really notice what he's doing when he's there. Well, you, you do if you look properly, but when he's not there, you suddenly go, hang on, where is he? Yeah. Where is he running around? Yeah, he's got the energy and he's got the power. And I yeah. don't think between them, maybe Fabinho and Henderson do have that, but not in yeah. one player. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the whole. I, I, there's part of me that feels a bit sorry for Cater because you think. He looks a bit lost, and that's possibly because he is a bit lost at the moment, out out wide. And you know, I think being, I was really impressed with him at Burnley, and he 
and he seems to be picking the ball up a lot deeper. And, and it was interesting that game because it. he was playing alongside a completely different team, yeah. wasn't it? It wasn't yeah. Liverpool's anywhere near Liverpool's first choice no. team. It's almost as yeah. if he took it upon himself. Hang on, we need to do something here. So, well, that, that's the only thing for him now. You think I'd like to see him be a bit more aggressive. And sometimes I think Mane lacks a bit of aggression, you know, and I think you want those players to pick the ball up. And every now and again, Mane, if you ever notice Mane will get kicked and then the next thing you know, he picks the ball up and drives past well, a few look players. At the, the penalty that he won against yeah. Paris Saint-Germain yeah. exactly well, the same thing happened. He was annoyed at the referee about not getting a free and, kick and then just and got the drove ball. Forward. Yeah. And I'd like to see Keita now pick up the ball and go and try and influence the play a little bit rather than almost being a bit passive and waiting for things at times. Um, I'm still a bit worried about him, but I still... I don't know, there's some part of me that thinks there's a player there, whether... whether Is it a 52.75 million pounds? <laughs> well, yeah, that's it, isn't it? And, you know, you can't ignore the good things that he did and you can't ignore... But it might have been different years ago when, say, Sheru came to Liverpool. You, you didn't really... Well, you didn't really listen to, like, yeah. podcasts with French journalists who tell you that <laughs> Sheru was the next Zidane, but we listened to so many things with journalists who told you, no, this lad is the real deal. And, you know, there's still that part of me that thinks there must be a player there because... He had people raving over him. So well, he looked so good in pre-season in the first month of the yeah. season. And he looked good against West Ham. Because he was playing yeah. in central midfield. And then he yeah. come down to the whole, they've changed the formation. Maybe he thought, Jurgen Klopp, sorry, thought that perhaps Cater could be at the, the the front of the three or whatever yeah. have you. But he's yeah. had to change it because of, as we mentioned before, the things that James was saying. Needs to get Salah score, needs to get Firmino back to form, needs to find a place for Shakiri, And things have just gone together. And Liverpool have only lost one game in 23 in the league, and why would you change it? And then as well, you've, I suppose you've got to consider it's a new country for him. Um, first time playing without a winter break. Couldn't like, speak English. Couldn't speak English. Yeah. Granted, he's been injured for a lot of it as well. Yeah. So you say, well, how much? But he's always injured. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. He's, he's, not he's got not a great injury record. So it? this uh, winter break's going to winter break. This uh, warm weather camp's going to be so important for him. Yeah, we always overlook that, I think, with all foreign players that come over and how difficult it must be to come in. They're young guys, aren't they? They're a lot younger than we, we perhaps realise sometimes. And they, they come we over. we now realise we're older. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we, they come over to a new country, new culture, new language, and, and you expect them to just play in front of a 52,000 season stadium and, and be the best player around. And I think it is difficult for them. And you, you look at maybe Fabinho settled a bit better because he's got mm. other Brazilian players around him and he's clearly become part of that group and and clearly has I'm not saying that Kate doesn't have friends but, <laughs> but he clearly has close friends people that you can talk to and if you haven't got major any friends influences Nabby, and, then please pop yeah. into the ACO office yeah, and they'll yeah, make yeah, your well, acquaintance yeah. but, but the um, the African clique at the club's a bit different isn't it because you thought Mane would come in um, you can't say clique we can't say that okay what can we say <laughs> a group of friends group, group, yeah, yeah. Yeah. do you want me to do that a bit again the African <laughs> group of friends because um, you thought when Salah would come in he'd be close with Mane Keita would be the same but then obviously he's got this friendship with Lovren out of nowhere mm. um, you don't really see them bonding as such the same way that you'd see Lovren and Salah joking off the pitch or the mm-hmm. Brazilians so I'm sure he is settling in he's got friends there um, we just not seen yeah, much of him. Don't forget, <laughs> well, yeah. I think what's we'll important to remember with, yeah. when we talk about the African group of friends is they they, they do often speak different languages. Yeah. And, yeah. Africa yeah, is the, a very Africans large. Yeah. Yeah. All the so Europeans you know, are sticking we together. We might need to sit down and talk a little bit about, <laughs> about geography, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there isn't. I guess in Cater speaks French. Yes, and I don't know whether there is. Are there many French speakers? Well, Mane, Mane, will be. Mane, Mane speaks French. Many others. You know, whereas. There'll be how many five Portuguese yeah. speakers, you know, in the squads. Uh, they're only little things, and hey, but perhaps put Mane and Salah up. They didn't they did a YouTube piece a few weeks ago, 
Did they saying they're true? close friends. Oh, well, I think, I think what, what I'm sure we've learned today is that Africa is big. Yep. And yeah. on that geographical bombshell, we shall wish you farewell. Uh, join us later this week where we will look ahead to not looking ahead to a game because Liverpool aren't <laughs> playing. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.